Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the state fire marshal with firework safety tips for the long 4th of July weekend, an update on Minnesota food shelves among COVID-19, and Golden Gopher star wrestler Gable Stevenson is doing what he can to raise awareness on social justice. But first, we are going to abide by protocol. Thank you, Chair. I I just wanted to say I'm really thankful that we're doing these hearings. Please do not force me to call you out of order. Please don't make me do that. It was a rough start this week to the state capitol hearing that Senate Republicans convened to examine local and state officials' response to the Twin Cities riots sparked by the death of George Floyd. Eminem's Bill Werner is here to explain what the disagreement is about. Scott, top Republicans have been highly critical of Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry and Governor Tim Walz, contending they waited too long to send in reinforcements, including the Minnesota National Guard, as looting and rioting continued and ultimately hundreds of buildings were damaged or destroyed in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Democrats, on the other hand, argue the legislature's main focus should be on why George Floyd died while in police custody and how to keep something like that from happening again. Senator Scott Dibble from Minneapolis. I hope that we're here with open minds and open hearts to find out that truth of a very, very complex set of dynamics that led to the civil unrest. And I hope we're not here on a curated, non-objective, one-sided effort to create a predetermined political narrative that assigns blame and has as its focus the elections in November. But I'm skeptical, and I just want to lay out why I'm skeptical of why we're here. As soon as the unrest started to occur, I heard the majority leader on the radio not expressing concern for a community that was traumatized by the death of George Floyd, just the latest in a long history of innocent and unarmed black men killed by the police. Rather, every other word out of his mouth was Governor Walz. It was an unrelenting and unseemly attack at at a very unfortunate moment on him. So if we are gonna have, take this opportunity to spend many hours on end examining what happened in the aftermath of yet another killing of, of an unarmed black man, which was, I'll add, a slow, agonizing and dehumanizing death, why can't we spend that time trying to root out how to explain how that can happen. Here's a response from Republican Senator Warren Limmer from Maple Grove, who chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's kind of interesting that our founders made that Article 1, Section 1 of our Constitution. The very purpose of government is the protection of our citizens. that That can be directed toward the death of George Floyd. And it can also be directed toward... Uh, the events in the aftermath that occurred after that incident. I believe we all watched the riots, the looting and burning, and the question kept coming up, where is the police? Where is the fire emergency personnel? Where was the government to protect life and property? After that initial exchange, Senate Republicans played a video montage of news clips giving an overview of the destruction. Parts of Minneapolis are unrecognizable to people today, damaged by fire and looting. Destruction and outrage continue across the Twin Cities tonight. We have not heard from any of our city leadership, uh, nor have we heard from Governor Waltz about tamping down this violence. 
Republicans then called up business owners to tell their stories. Jim Stage owns Lloyd's Pharmacy in St. Paul. It was completely destroyed. It's okay. Just take your time. Just take your time. <laughs> Sorry. This is a picture that was taken by friends of ours. and You know, it's hard for me to look at, but I, I mean, I'm, I've kind of been moving on from this. I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but... I bought this pharmacy in um, 2014. I had worked there, interned there. I grew up in the neighborhood. I went there as a kid. So I think that's probably why it's more emotional for me. Robert Awajan told lawmakers they called 911 the Thursday when his parents' stop and shop on East Lake was looted and were told unless it was life-threatening, police couldn't get to it until the following Monday. We were like, it is life-threatening because... It's a gas station. There's 10,000 gallons of fuel in the ground. If that thing goes in flames, if anything ignites, the neighborhood gets burnt. Like neighbors, we have houses right next to the store. Matthew Kernan told the committee he helped protect a friend's business, a convenience store in South Minneapolis. For the next five evenings after the 28th, we stood post on top of the gas station. I'm glad I didn't have to uh, uh, pull the trigger on anything. Um, Most people were driving by. Um, We would get threats often. Um, Towards the end of that five-day stint, National Guard and police were much more apparent and present. uh, so I think what we did there was, uh, yeah, we managed to hold our ground. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what, father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love Love your son, you need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make some breakfast. Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just... A constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. As we enjoy the long 4th of July holiday weekend, I spoke with State Fire Marshal Jim Smith about ways that parents can help keep their kids safe. This year, our concern has uh, been heightened because so many communities have canceled their uh, community or civic fireworks shows. There are a lot of people who believe it's now (laughs) their responsibility to create their own fireworks shows, and they have been traveling out state to purchase uh, great quantities of fireworks so their community or whatever like that can do a street show. So that's, that's caused us great concern. 
And so that's maybe a good point to try to remind folks of what exactly is legal and what is not legal in Minnesota. So what can you uh, what can you legally use in Minnesota? But it's pretty simple. If it flies into the air or if it explodes, it is illegal in Minnesota. So we're talking things like firecrackers, Roman candles, bottle rockets. Those are good examples of what are illegal in Minnesota. What we do allow in Minnesota and which are typically sold in the, uh, the traveling tent sales places are the sparklers, fountains, ground spinners, things like that. But they do not go boom and they don't fly up into the air. In terms of safety when it comes to fireworks, obviously if we've got more folks using them, it's maybe more important than ever to remind people how they can be safe with these things. Uh, what are some of the key tips that you want people to be aware of this fourth holiday? Well, again, use only homegrown or Minnesota legal fireworks uh, because those fireworks do include things like sparklers, we really want parents to be mindful of where their children are and if they are holding a sparkler to make sure that the sparkler is held away from the body. You are not twirling around and spinning into somebody else. Sparklers will burn up to 1200 degrees. That is extremely hot and can burn on immediate contact with the skin. We're seeing uh, foot injuries from children who do not have sandals or shoes on and step on a hot sparkler or spent sparkler rod. So two things there, always wear uh, sandals or shoes, but also the parents should have a bucket of water or bucket of sand to put the spent sparkler rods in. And that would also go with the uh, the snakes, the smoke snakes, and the little ground sparklers. Make sure that those are extinguished with water and then just leave them alone until the next morning when they are very, they're nice and cool, and then dispose of them. We do see fires occurring at homes where people pick up these hot sticks from the sparklers or the ground sparklers and just simply put them in their trash can, and they will start a fire. So we we want people to fully extinguish them, wait till the next morning until you actually pick them up, and safety with the children. Always be watching your children. And I guess that leads to my next question. If you do have some sort of a, a firework a mishap, what's, what's the first thing that you should do? Uh, well, you should be, depending upon the severity of the injury, uh, 911 is always a good choice because it's better to have medical professionals take a look at the injury and then determine at that point whether or not it's something that needs to be seen at a hospital right away or if it can wait. Uh, if you can get any burn into cool water within 10 to 15 seconds after it happens, it has a higher propensity of minimizing the severity of that burn. So uh, clearly the old-fashioned remedies such as butter and salves and all that stuff on burn are not recommended at all. We're telling people cool the burn down and get a hold of a medical professional, either through 911 or, or urgent care, something like that.
Great information as we head into the long fourth holiday. Uh, Fire Marshal, is there anything else you wanted to add uh, or to have our listeners be aware of? Well, a couple things. Um, even if fireworks are legal in Minnesota, they still can be dangerous. So always have a high level of awareness out for things that can go wrong and prevent them before it happens. Um, always be mindful of your children. Stay away from crowded areas when you're using sparklers or things like that because these sparks are very hot. Uh, and we've already talked about soaking the fireworks in water and all that. And if, uh, if at all possible, I think one of the best things to do is to purchase a lighter that is typically used for a gas grill. You'll see them. They've got about a six to eight inch nozzle on them. And that puts the flame quite a ways away from your hand when you're lighting these sparklers and ground, uh, displays which increase safety and minimize the danger of getting burned. And if something doesn't light, don't try and relight it because we've seen over and over again people trying to relight a spark or something like this and bad things happen because it's just sometimes just not ready to light off and then just as you approach it, boom, it lights off and things can go bad. So. The best thing, the easiest thing to remember is always be aware of who's around you and never let your guard down. Thank you to my guest, State Fire Marshal Jim Smith. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. MN's Tasha Radel this week caught up with Colleen Moriarty, Executive Director of Hunger Solutions, to get an update on the COVID 19 food shortage response across the state. I wanted to visit with you. I know I've touched base with you uh, a few times over the last few months and just wanted to get an update on how things are going uh, with the state's food shelves and different uh, responses during uh, the COVID 19 pandemic. What can you tell me? Well, Basically, the, when the COVID pa- pandemic hit, um, it was a little uneven around the state what the response was. In certain areas of the state, more in the metro, where there were more cases and it was more, you know, acute at first, we saw double and triple um, increases in some of the food shelves. But around the state as a whole, there hasn't been as many dramatic increases. And then the um, horrible events that happened after George Floyd was murdered really created this immediate food desert, and there was a need for lots of on-the-ground response from that. And that happened in two ways. It happened in an organized way through the food banks and others. It happened just citizens taking an opportunity to help each other and doing pop-ups, both in Minneapolis South and North and University Avenue. So... um, it looks like there's going to be some uh, repositioning of some of the retail stores like Cub at Broadway and then in um, South Minneapolis. So that will help to take some of the pressure off. But the outpouring of emergency food then just picked up like, you know, it, I think the food bank would have better qualifications of their um, their output. But in some locations it was handling you know, uh, Trinity Lutheran Church is handling two to 4,000 boxes a day to people. So um, that created a real emergency situation. 
And I think now as we go through, if there is, you know, another kind of flare of any kind, that we'll see a lot of, um, we'll see an increase again. The thing that I'm most concerned about right now is I think that that extra $600 on unemployment checks has kept people at an even keel in many cases. They've been able to reorganize their whatever money they have and been able to use that money for um, for basic needs. When and if that goes away, that will have a tremendous input into how many people and are visiting food shelves all around the state of Minnesota. So I think that, you know, that along with the fact that the food shelves have been amazing statewide and the banks in repositioning how they deliver service, gone from a, you know, more of a shoppy model to a box model, putting it in people's cars. As the weather gets cooler, we have to rethink some of that because um, we can't have volunteers staying out when it's 30 below zero, right? Right. So they're already hard at work discussing how it is that they can reorganize and if they can open partially or how, you know, volunteers can best be used. So everybody is, I think, um, working together well. I think the the hardest thing is is that you want to give people enough in a box that is three meals a day for a number of days that is food that they um, that's culturally appropriate for them. But that's one of the biggest challenges. The food group has been experts at that, and so we're we're using their expertise in many cases. But that can be a challenge. You know, people in some of the most affected areas after those fires and some of the losing some of the retails were walking to the sites, distribution sites. So putting a lot of cans or heavy things in the boxes is not, that's a no-go. People just take it out because they're walking. So, you know, it's keeping the food appropriate, keeping the food the kind of food that people can eat, both whether it's culturally appropriate or on their diet, keeping a steady stream, making sure volunteers have access to what they need and then they're practicing not only handling the food safety, safely, but, you know, um, that the food is um, stored safely. You know, in those 90-degree heats and no coolers, you know, that's a challenge. But I think we're getting better at the response. Um, and so I think that... Um, I think working together, we are going to be able to meet the challenge. I know that there's a lot of people who are very worried, and it's not that I'm not worried too, but I've seen this system turn itself on a dime, which I never would have predicted previous to this. And so like you said, this isn't something that's going to go away anytime soon. We're going to probably be feeling yeah. these ripple effects for several months. Oh, yeah, and I think that you know that loss of income from unemployment, that will have a big effect on it. I think that, you know, the um, there are still large portions of, of Minnesotans who are elderly or have, you know, immune-compromised situations. They're still sheltering in place. You know, they're, um, the I think the masking and the handling of that has gone well, but that's uneven around the state. We need to all band together and understand that we're fighting a common enemy, and I think we're getting there. All right. Well, on that note, we'll leave it there. Lots of great information. And as always, I thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. 
You bet. Anytime. That's MN's Tasha Radel visiting with Colleen Moriarty, Executive Director of Hunger Solutions Minnesota. For more information on the COVID-19 food response, you can head online to hungersolutions.org. Minnesota Matters returns after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Golden Gopher star wrestler Gable Steveson of Apple Valley is using his platform as a well-known black athlete to raise awareness on social justice issues. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Steveson. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about stuff that is happening here in our city, in our state, and really nationally. But certainly the epicenter happened at the end of last month with the death of George Floyd. And you, as a black athlete, have taken part in using your voice as a, as, as a well-known athlete, along with a lot of other gophers who have been given the freedom to do such, whether it's attend uh, protest, whether it's to uh, voice your opinion over social media or what have you. What has this last, I guess, month or so been like for a young African-American man here in the uh, Twin Cities? Um, it's crazy to, that all this happened. I mean... I, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to explain that what really goes on. And I think it's crazy that George Floyd's death had to be like that in that certain spot. And, um, I, I'm very grateful that a lot of, a lot of gopher athletes and especially myself have spoken up about this situation. And it's, I think it's very important for the African-American athletes to, and everyone as a whole to really come together and see like how the world really is. And the world is not how everyone expects it to be. And, um, like I said, I'm very happy to see see everyone speak up in their own way, and everyone has their own opinions. But I feel not feel like about right now, a lot of people have shown their their true colors on a thing on things, and a lot of people have shown the other side on things. And at the end of the day, we're we're all human, and I hope everyone can get along at the when time ends. Yeah, and at times like this, you do learn a lot about people. That's for sure. What um, kind of things have you and your teammates and your classmates and in, in uh, at the U of M uh, have you done to try to help, try to create awareness? Because for some, it might be unintentional. They don't realize, you know, what what the situation is and how they can help now. And listening, I think, has been the big keyword for a lot of people trying to learn about this that don't walk in your shoes per se. So, what are some things that you guys have tried to do? A lot of us have been in protests that you could tell by a lot of Instagram posts and Twitter posts. And I, I've spoken out to USA Wrestling about actually about it, too. And they they put out a statement and I actually talked to him yesterday. He told me he actually thanked me for my tweet to them just because they wanted they were going to actually put something out. But when I tweeted at them, it kind of lit a another fire that they had to and had to really respect us as people and, and as wrestlers, too. 
But I think um, a lot of social media posts that a lot of football players and other football players from different areas and myself and other athletes are posting are, are really great, and I, it's it's raising great awareness for the cause. Certainly, obviously, uh, George Floyd's death, a tragedy. Um, do you think in terms of trying to grab positive out of a dark situation that maybe this was the the, the – you know the, the the tragedy that needed to happen to to create the groundswell that we can turn a corner here. Do you think that we're starting to turn a corner? Do you get that sense? I think we're starting to turn a corner. I mean, it started with uh, Kaepernick back in the day taking a knee, and I think uh, a lot of this is not about the flag and disrespecting past troops and present troops. I think a lot of this is about just social inequality that comes with being an African American man and actually and being with everybody too. Everybody gets a little backlash in their life, and as you can tell. But I think. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, I mean, every, things are really moving forward right now. A lot of bad police are getting arrested, and like, not a, not every not every policeman is bad. Not every white person is racist. Not every black is like whites. Is and a lot of people are think that's the case, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, I I have a lot of white friends, and it's just it's just who you are as a person and how you go about your way of life. Have you, over the course of your time, how often do would you say that you have had a situation where you felt, you know, hey, this is not good, this is not a good situation, solely based on the fact that you're a, a young black man? I mean, you get a, everyone gets a lot of spots where they feel like uh, things are not safe. I mean, I've been in a position where things have not gone my way, and uh, and just just being black in that situation is not really the best. And I think um, everyone has their own spots where they can tell a story and. Things as I've told things in the future get a little better, so blacks can feel more comfortable in this country. I think one of the the uh, pro- things in progress here is that you have all been allowed to to talk, to 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 comment, to to use your social media. And I'm not sure, and this isn't a knock on anybody in terms of coaches or administrators, and not just here in Minnesota, but across the country. I think uh, at times there's been a mute button there that hey, we, you know, we have to worry and focus and zero in on the team, and let's not have distractions. And I think this also hit a boiling point to the point where it was important enough that hey, if this causes a distraction, so be it. The message has to get out, and uh, well-known athletes like you guys can help get that message out. Yeah, I think um, I saw Flex spoke up about it on TV, and I've talked to Agam about it too, and I feel that uh, a lot of coaches in every university are speaking up about this just because every coach has at least a couple of black athletes on a team, especially football and basketball. And I think it, for them it's kind of mandatory to speak up just for the namesake of their, their athletes and to keep them safe as people too. And, um, like, I'm just, I'm just happy to see everyone moving forward in this situation. I think uh, George Floyd's death was really a turn for everyone, and I'm, I'm saddened that he had to go out that way. But we, we just move, got to move forward and try to make a change in this world. You mentioned you tweeted at USA Wrestling. Wrestling, I, I, you know, wrestling isn't, I guess, you'd say the most diverse sport. I mean, you're carrying a banner for a lot of a lot of people. Um, how, how can uh, you help get young black kids uh, more interested in wrestling as well to help create uh, maybe a little more diversity? I think first we need to make wrestling needs to become a mainstream sport. I think wrestling is not a mainstream sport. There's just um, there's a couple athletes that branch out into that mainstream world and. Um, I think I might be one of them. I just, I hope so. I can be just so kids can look up to me as an idol and as a person too. But um, like you said, wrestling is not really that diverse. So I think um, with the help of USA Wrestling and a few other few other sources such as, such as Flow Wrestling and Track Wrestling, they have put out statements. And I think um, it's good to get to have the wrestling world actually come together and see both sides of the stories. That's Golden Gopher star wrestler Gable Steveson and MNN sports director Mike Grimm. 
That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.